Waco Real Estate Today with Nathan Embry. Sponsored by Kelly Realtors. I'm sitting here with Bobby Horner, the Public Information Specialist with the City of Waco. Bobby, what's new? Well, Nathan, we uh, we've got a few updates on some uh, on some projects that are under construction or uh, are about to be under construction. One of the things that I get to ask about occasionally is uh, what's going on with uh, the containery down there on Fourth Street. And uh, there was some information in the newspaper a few months ago about it, but apparently it looks like a I think it was a San Diego group has purchased it, and they're going to redevelop it. This group, uh, uh, as I understand it, and I even went back and looked at the, the article, but apparently they kind of specialize in, in unique projects like this. Now, I don't know what it's going to be. It does sound like it's going to be a mixed-use development, you know, maybe some offices, maybe a coffee shop, you know, you know, things like that, maybe a small restaurant and the courtyard. So... Um, it's going to be neat to see uh, what they do with the paint scheme. I don't know about that, but it's going to be a unique project, and um, it's good to, to see that something's going to be happening with that uh, project. Let me back up and give some context around the containery. Okay. Um, and so that's a downtown development, Yes. and it was one of the first, if not the first, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, development that's using pretty much all shipping containers that's yep. stacked on top of each other, yeah. kind of uh, each different direction. Right. And um, they were painted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing was built new from the from the ground up, right. stacked on t- top of each other, and then painted different colors. Right. And so for, for whatever reason, do you know the backstory? For whatever reason, the project stalled out, and I guess it was foreclosed on. Yeah, that's what, I mean, I understand that. We don't really get into that part, you know, the the financial backing and all that. I just know that uh, uh, we were doing our inspections uh, on it. And uh, and by the way, just a side note with that, even though that those are metal containers, the, the inspection process still is basically the same. You still have plumbing, you still have electrical, and uh, it's just a, you know, it's just a, a unique project to put all that in, but um, it uh, it looks like it is going to happen in some form, and I'm excited to see see what they do with it. So cool. And so this California group is looking at. It. Do you know if it's under contract? I think it is. It's my understanding. I went back again. This was in the newspaper, maybe two months ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so if somebody really wants to delve in a little bit more, they can go back and look that up on the Waco trip. And, but as far as I know, it is, it is good to go. So they're master planning it now. Cool. So anyway, um, one of the, of course, I don't, uh, Talk, I've talked some about it. Of course, a lot of the information I see too is in the newspaper. Some of the, you know, our, as people can see, our riverfront development's really going strong, and I know Monica Settlemeyer, our uh, public information marketing person for the city, you know, kind of heads that up as far as information. But uh, it's no longer 
Uh, looks like it's no longer a $100 million riverfront development like we always said for so long. It's up closer to $700 million, I think, with all the new changes and stuff you read about in the paper and, and uh, you know, with all the stuff that the city and Baylor's doing. And it's, it's really cool. I mean, I'm excited about it. <laughs> I would it. hope so. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine budgeting $100 million and then you need $700 million? Yeah. Well, it's and that's the part that I don't get into. I'm just, I'm just kind of reading like everyone else. But it is, uh, it's really interesting to see how this whole, that whole area is uh, developing uh, and what it's going to be bringing to the Brazos River downtown. Uh, and then, of course, you got the uh, Slow Rise Pizza that opened up a couple of weeks ago up on the river, so that's exciting. And I think when those kinds of developments really start to kick in, you're going to see a whole lot more uh, river taxis, uh, boating on the river, uh, and you couple that with all the sporting events that we've got going on. So uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I think it's going to be really, really cool. That the slow rise pizza, the new place over there, mm-hmm. that's on the other side of the river. It's on the other side, yeah, yeah, and it's probably one of the the few over there. Is that fair to say? Uh, right now, it is. Yeah, uh, and uh, but they have really dressed that up, cleaned it up. It's got that huge outdoor deck in the back. I think it's five thousand square feet. It's huge. They've redone the boat docks, yeah. which is cool. So it'll be neat to see boats starting to pull up there for dinner. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> neat. So you can drive your boat and park there. Yeah, you've got, go it's got boat slits yeah. there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard good things. It's been open for, what, a month now or something yeah, like or that. Yeah, or less, yeah. I've, I've uh, heard good things about ownership over there and um, the vibe, how it feels over there, and then <clears throat> the food, the pizza yeah. I hear is pretty Well, good if too. it's anything like their other one over there in, in uh, Woodway, that's it's going to do well. It is really going to do well, and particularly being that close to Baylor and the interstate, it's going to yeah, it's going to have a lot of uh, things going on. Uh, let's see what else. Of course, uh, we've talked about this before. Right down the sidewalk here, the Magnolia Hotel is is going strong with their permitting and work. The uh, Magnolia office they've they've got demo permits while they're finishing up, you know, the plan development, and uh, so that project's going, uh, which again, as we've, I think, talked about, it's just going to bring more people downtown. And so it's, it's, it's good for Waco whenever we see people take these old buildings, such as yourself, and redevelop them and, uh, you know, have them on the tax rolls, businesses downtown, brings more people downtown. And uh, so it's really, it's really good to see. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. Um, I tell you what, I went out to main event the other day. Yeah. How was that? Played laser tag. I've done that twice. I need to develop my skills. <laughs> <laughs> Did your granddaughter beat up? Well, on no, my granddaughter was there last time, my wife and I, uh, but then we got stuck in there with a bunch of younger kids and we didn't have a chance. <laughs> So it was, it was pretty funny. I think you can have 30 people in there at one time and it's just a free for all for about 10 minutes and it's a lot of fun, Yeah, but that is a neat, that is a neat place. Good. And, and uh, that's out there by Top Golf. Yep. That's right. So, uh, that's just another event center that's come up. Um, one of the things that I've noticed whenever I do programs like this or I do reports that you know, through the chamber or whatever, I can go list 
projects and people say, oh, yeah, that's neat, that's neat, that's neat. And then I'll hit something that the ladies really like. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, it looks like we may be getting a Kendra Scott store. No, I mean, not a new built from scratch. It's just going to be a lease space. And, it, and Kendra Scott's not new to Waco. I mean, one of our big box stores sells it anyway. But <laughs> I've... I've mentioned that a couple of times, and we're the ladies in there, and it's just like, oh wow! It's like I could say, I could say Riverfront, I could say <laughs> grocery store, I could say whatever. But if you mention something that's really key to them, I got the same reaction when Home Goods opened Home up. Goods. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Do we know where Kendra Scott's going? I think it's going to go. It looks like it's going to go somewhere out at Central Texas Marketplace, okay. just to finish out. But still, uh, that that seems to be very popular uh, with our ladies, and so. Anyway, what are they selling in there? Jewelry, jewelry, exactly. <laughs> Which uh, may not be so good for the guys. I don't know. <laughs> so, I feel like I should know that answer. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned that the other day to a group I spoke at yesterday, and the guy was going back there <laughs> shaking his head like, "No, no." <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, that's a few things. Uh, Union Grove Food Hall, the one uh, that's going to be the second one, kind of like Union Hall. Uh, look like when I passed by the other day, they've got, you know, got some construction going on yet. So that's, that's exciting. So, uh, that is in, that is in Waco. And, uh, and so uh, I'm hoping, I think that building is actually a little bigger than Union Hall. Really? Uh, because I think they've got the main building and then they've got a building out beside it, a warehouse type Just building. wondering where they're going to park all the cars. Yeah. Well, they, th- there is a parking lot there. Uh, but, and as far as their own parking, they probably, you know, we got a lot of street parking down here for Union Hall here Mm -hmm. and, uh, but they've got some on-site parking there. So we'll see, we'll see how all that, uh, all that develops. Speaking of Union Hall, I was in there the other day and I was meeting someone for lunch and of course they got all these 19 or 20 local restaurants of all different kinds of food there. And they've got the, they've got the one, uh, Do-Re-Ming. You know, you can get you can get ice cream on cones, but you go to Do Ray Made, you can get cookie dough on cones. It's like oh, I oh. love I love this country. <laughs> you, can get, <laughs> you can get cookie dough, dough. on cones. As just like Do Ray Me. Do Ray Me, yeah. Really, really neat. I thought that was pretty cool. So I had to sample that of course, uh. but uh I love cookie dough. <laughs> but uh, just some cool uh cool uh information there. Yeah. Um we are, I think uh, people probably are still wondering, you know, about Amazon. I think they're actually getting pretty close. They're starting to, I think, going to be calling for, sounds like it's going to be phased in, you know, maybe get their offices going first and then start bringing in however they phase their mm-hmm. their trucks. But it's not officially open yet, but hopefully sometime this week they'll start getting their first, what we call a TCO that allows them to start going in, setting up. They're probably their office staff, and was talking to our building official. Temporary. About it, so TCO yeah. temporary uh, temporary certificate. certificate of occupancy. It's not the. I know this may sound a little uh, nitpicky, but it's not the full CO. But it is. It does allow you get a project to a point where you can safely start moving stuff in. You're not really open to the public yet, but mm. you can get it set up. So and that's when you say we. That's granted by the city of Waco. Yeah, city, the city. Yeah, but uh, we work. Uh, it's not just us. We, you know, we coordinate with the fire marshal's office. It usually comes down to us and the fire marshal's office, 
And then if, uh, if you know the fire marshal's happy, we and we're happy on our end, we can issue a, a, a full mm-hmm. CO. So and they're off to the races. But uh, anyway, that's uh, those are a few of the uh, <clears throat> the bigger projects uh, going on, and uh, some updates uh, there. The uh, one other one. Uh, uh, the Dotty Oaks there across from Milo's, uh, that one, uh, oh, yeah. I've got the permit in, we're reviewing it. And, uh, so that one hopefully will get started. People probably noticed the site grading part, a rough grading, um, pads for the, really the pads for the foundation have not been put in, but they're getting real close. So. All right, <clears throat> so let me add some color to that one. So Dottie Oaks development, that's going to, that's on Austin and what is that, like 12th? Uh, yeah, well, I see Union, I see Milo's is on I think that's 11. on 11. 11th, so it's right across Franklin. I mean, it's going to go from Franklin to Austin. Yeah, so it's Austin like an 11th. And so yeah. it used to be, it was an old um, hotel, old yeah. motel, yeah, maybe a drive-in. I think from the what fifties or yeah, it's been there, been, been there, there a long, long time, long time, long time. And it wasn't in good shape, and um, there was um, it was just kind of falling in on itself a little bit. It was kind of rough yeah. looking. Yeah, it it was, and um, and so uh, had a developer come in and and purchase the property and and. They let the you know the residents, you know, move out uh, over time, and then now they're redeveloping it. I think there's going to be. I think, I don't remember how many. I think there's going to be it's combination townhomes, and I think there may be a retail or a little restaurant on one end. Uh, so it, it should be a nice development cool. when it's done. So that's going to bring more traffic and people live there yep, and some commercial right. activity downtown. That's right. Um, that's right. And it's probably going to take probably twelve months from now. Roughly, wouldn't you say? Uh, at least, yeah, yeah. something like that. So, Goodness. Anyway, cool. Any other projects? I think that's it for for this time around. Uh, so we should have some more when, next time we do this. That's another great episode of Horner's Corner. Thanks, Bobby. You bet. Thank you. All right. in here with Steve Sorrells, the president of Sorrells, Inc. Is that right? Sorrells Company and Sorrells Development Corp. Yes. Perfect. Would you give us a little bit of information on your background and the things you've done, some big projects you've worked on to get you here? Sure. So I'm a builder developer here in Waco, Texas, born and raised here. We moved back, oh, in about 98 and started up our development company here. And we started developing Riverside was our old family farm. We developed it as a as a lifestyle neighborhood residential. And then we developed Badger Ranch and then moved downtown with some other developments, uh, being the Cameron Heights, the Cloisters, and just got through doing uh, the renovations to the old Bank of America building down on, on the town square. Cool. Was your background, before you took your family farm and subdivided it into a neighbor, residential neighborhood, did you have background in real estate? Yeah, I spent about 15 years with Lincoln Property Company and uh, another smaller Texas company as well, Duddleston, that was out of Houston. Uh, but with Lincoln, I was in the in the in the new business development portion of it with us uh, for the multifamily side of things, and so we got to work with 
a lot of developers, a lot of different folks on management, uh, on selling our management business to other folks, and then started doing the underwriting and really kind of caught the bug and enjoyed mm-hmm. enjoyed the feel of what what this creative side of the real estate industry is like. So I want to talk to you about a couple of those projects that you mentioned. Um, the first one, I want to talk about this very cool project you just wrapped up or working on finishing on Austin Avenue. Austin Avenue is kind of our main street here in Waco. Um, a lot of businesses, city halls at the end of it, uh, a lot of stores and restaurants. And you own almost well, a good amount of the block on 5th Street between 5th and 4th, I can believe. Is that correct? Between 5th and Fifth and six on Austin Avenue. There you go. <clears throat> so tell me, tell me when you saw that come up, or how did you acquire that real estate? We were able to buy it back in 08, uh, back when the Bank of America was in it. Uh, we're they were in the point where their REIT that owned all of their real estate was starting to sell off pieces and parts of it, and they had a you know national credit anchor tenant in it, and so we were able to buy into it at that point in time. So it was a nice, sure deal at that point in time, but a tremendous amount of upside because it was a very cool building that really hadn't been touched, you know, uh, hadn't been optimized uh, since it was really built back in the 1890s, 1920s. Wow. That's an old building, <clears throat> 1890s. So you bought, so it was leased when you bought it. You had at least paying you for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So there are tenant in there. They had 25,000 square feet for all six of their employees. And so it was, like I said, not a very efficient layout. They had sprawled out over the decades, over three city blocks, actually. And so it was just an, an inefficient layout. But they were a great tenant. Uh, and so it was it was nice to have that and be able to kind of get your experience, get our head around that building. It's, an, it's a really cool, unique yeah. building. It's a, put together about three different buildings. And so it allowed us a chance to really tear it down, mentally deconstruct it. And start figuring out how to optimize this and do and do really cool things. Because you knew, I guess, when you bought it that the lease was going to expire and they would be vacating? Actually, they had a series of five-year leases extendable through the 2050. Oh, wow. And when they chose not to, it was great because they were at about 50 cents on the dollar at the time on their rents. And so it gave us that real good opportunity to say, okay, let's reposition this, do what we need to do. Oh, cool. We took it from 35,000 square feet to 50,000 square feet inside the same building shell. We just added a couple oh, extra nice. floors where there was an old theater and things like that. And so it allowed us to get a lot more yield out of the same asset. Mm, yeah. So they terminated the lease or let you know, and so your plans shifted. They gave us notice. We had a great local architect, uh, Grant Dudley over at RBDR. Those guys knew the building inside and out. And we had been talking about what do we need to do if they start you know, pushing back? How do we need to renegotiate the next lease term with them to see if we can start getting them more efficient use within their space? And so we were able to take that study and then go, okay, now that we know what's going to happen, they've given us notice a year in advance or whatever it is, it gives us time to really start planning towards what we're going to do with that. And you said this all happened around 08. That's kind of before the Chip and Joanna boom down here, would you say? You, you, it, it's probably fair to say you got this at a pretty good time before liftoff, before it went crazy. We were blessed. We're very fortunate on it. Yeah, we got in in 08. We moved down there into the old trust department where we just moved back into uh, in 2010. And, yes, it was totally different. We'd look out those front windows 
There was no one parked out there. There was no one walking on the streets. Yeah, and nowadays, it's just, it's so fun to see the difference. I came down <clears throat> for this with you today, and it's parking started to get complicated. Um, <laughs> this is no joke, probably around like 13th Street. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and, we actually have traffic now. And it's that's so on like 5th and 6th Street. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool to see that. All right, so you hired RBDR to kind of look at it um, and reconfigure some things. It sounded like you added another floor to get some more additional floor space. Um, on a previous show, we talked with Bobby Horner on how to renovate one of these buildings. Can you walk us through kind of like uh, just at a kind of a high level of you had plans from an architect. You got to pay an architect a lot of money to come up with plans, and they'll tell you what you can do with the space or where you're at entrances and ex exits can go in the staircases and the elevators and they tell you all these things what do you do with those plans or what was that process like and then go into the construction how that went so taking those plan sets you have that first you know kind of high level feel of how it's going to lay out then you start overlaying with it what's that going to mean from a rent perspective for income what's that going to mean for an operating expense perspective uh, the plans are one thing, but the engineering that goes into it and all the really, you know, the heart, the muscle, the, the nerve center, all that part of stuff has to be replaced. So we had to replace all the, all the electric, all the plumbing, all the HVAC, all the fire systems, alarm systems, and allowed us to really take a position where we're going to turn this asset that is, you know, currently a, a really old building into a very contemporary modern building. At the same time, we really felt strongly about wanting to keep a lot of the history to it. It's such so many neat little artifacts on it. The art's great in there. The old vaults are tremendous in there. Uh, the marble on the floors, the marble on the walls. So there was a lot of cool stuff that was there that we really wanted to preserve. And we like this feel of making something very, very neat and Waco-esque into a very contemporary at the same time. So it's kind of, uh, you know, like the bar next door, a dichotomy is a little bit of a difference between you know the two, but bringing them together. Yeah. So when you say the bank, there's the vault. It was a bank before immediately. Since how long? Probably. It was a bank since it was built. So back in the 1890s. Goodness. Uh, I think one of the Lacys uh, had that. It was Citizens National Bank for years and years, and then whenever they had grown really big and then sold, it became all the evolutions of banks that became Bank of America. And didn't you show me, because you gave me a tour once, wasn't there like an old theater, like the top booth, and there's yeah. some still... Some yeah, the right side of it was originally the old Strand Theater from way back Strand in the days. Theater. And so it was three stories tall. There's only one floor in it when we took the building over. But you can see the, the artifacts on the wall where they had the different layers wow. in there, and we have the old real screen projector uh, tracker where people chalk in, you know, Real one lasts you know, seven minutes, the next one's three minutes. And so you're able to, to start seeing that. We just preserved all that. We preserved the old uh, uh, seat numbering systems and everything. Wow. So it's kind of fun. I think on the side of the Hippodrome on the, what is that, 8th mm -hmm. or ninth or something, mm -hmm. on the, they have all these the stickers on the windows. Have you seen this? Do yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, a big blow up of A it. big blow up mm -hmm. of the Strand. Right. So, and that's only like two or three blocks away from your building. So you can walk down there. What is that, 9th Street? Or, it's 8th it's Street. Right. Exactly, yeah. And so you can go to 8th Street and look at this Hippodrome window and see a picture of the Strand, which is the theater, the building that now we're talking about. Right. But that's a picture from 
who knows how long ago. Right. And on the left side of that, you'll see the Citizens National Bank has the yeah. big time clock on it as yeah. well. And so that's showing you that whole profile of what that block looked like back in the day. Uh, and it was it was a an area that was very much a visual landmark for Waco at the time. Very cool. And so now it's finished. How long did it take? Oh, my Lord, way too long. <laughs> uh, we probably spent about two years building. Two uh, years. You know, doing this during COVID was a really good time. <laughs> I'm being ironic. Uh, it was. It made it difficult, but we were able to really, you know, dig into it and do it well. So. Yeah. Two years is that? Would you say that's a typical amount of time of what someone can expect to go renovate a building? I guess from start to finish. Is that is that normal? If you're doing down to the complete guts, it, it probably really? is. Uh, it, it could be done a little bit faster than that, of course. Uh, I think getting out of out of an and a really weird time like what we've been through uh, will make it a little bit more efficient. But uh, but with historics, there's always a challenge. There's always yeah. something that pops up. You go, oh my gosh, there's another floor in here. We got a demo. Oh look, that's hot. We need to be able to take that out. And so you you do things and you react and respond accordingly. Did you go for TIF money on this deal? We did. We did. We we're fortunate to have a really good. Uh, asset here in Waco with the TIF funds. Uh, that's a good way for people to really reinvest and go back into areas. Uh, it's, you know, particularly when it started out, it was all, you know, it was upfront money way back in the day. Now it's come along money, and, and right now it's evolved into essentially tax abatement uh, is what it now is, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, but it nevertheless, it allows you to take these risks and be able to say, you know what, there's that little bit of a safety factor that we're able to yeah. dial in by having that support from the from the group. Plus, it's a great reinvestment in our in our town and starts putting, making assets that weren't paying taxes or weren't paying much in taxes yeah, to suddenly become something that's very viable. Sure. Uh, and what is it now? Now that you're finished, pretty much there, what do you have in there now? So we have uh, a number of things. Uh, first and foremost, we have 25 North Coworking which is a great spot for people, businesses of all types, uh, to be able to come down and have a very professional office environment, meeting room, conference rooms. Uh, It's available by the hour, day, week, month, and years. Uh, And it's a a wonderful asset. It's really beautiful space. And it's very well, uh, 25 North is is a professional group out of Chicago. Uh, They have places all over the U.S. And we were able to get... uh, couple of their people that are their employees be able to move down to Waco, relocate here. They have experience doing startups of, of their other co-working spaces in, in Virginia and up in Frisco. And so we got Mecca and Noah to move down here, and it's just a great, great fit for us. But they are wonderful about hospitality. If you need you know, a conference room and you're needing to have folks coming in and you can have breakfast ready for them, lunch coming in, serve drinks, whatever, uh, it gives you that level of, of high level of service that's oh, available nice. for your for you and your clients as you're meeting. It's very professional. Uh, so in addition to 25 North, we have Better Homes and Garden Real Estate, American Guaranteed Title Company. So we got a lot of real estate needs covered there. Uh, we have Dunham & Jones Law Firm uh, moved in upstairs, Taylor Counseling, Psychological Counseling. Both of those groups are outside of Waco that moved to town. And so we're excited about that because that really starts saying we got a real opportunity downtown. We need to bring more and more high-level uh real estate uh, for folks to be able to enjoy and utilize. And I think it's, you don't want to say build it and they will come, but I do think we're there. 
So <clears throat> even though it took you about two years to finish it, you're you're pretty much full now. I think you only have like one little vault space left, but you were but by the time you were ready to open the doors, you were pretty close to full. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say, yeah. With twenty five north, it's obviously they're filling up their space within the space that they've leased from us. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little bit of a cross hybrid there. But yeah, it, it's the demand's been really strong. It's been really nice to be able to go in and say, Okay, we open up the uh, the first day and it and you immediately have places, you know, paying revenue and being able to go. One last question, mm-hmm. unless you have other thoughts on this project. Par- how's your parking situation down there? <laughs> We're very fortunate that we own a uh, half a city block parking right across from us. It's where the old bank drive through teller was. Uh, we had been officing in there temporarily and in the construction trailer while our offices were being finished. So we just moved back into our offices. We'll be tearing down the, the drive through here before long. Uh, and then redeveloping that side of the street is going to be a fun future project. Cool. Do you have, before I move on to a different mm-hmm. project, do you have any other thoughts that would be good or important for listeners to hear about that renovation project or what you went through downtown, working with the city, anything like that on that project that I might have missed? I will say we are really fortunate to have a pretty cool city to work with on with regards to this. They tend to understand the old buildings. Uh, they understand the, the difficulties that go into them, and uh, they've been really good to work with. We've been able to keep everything, keep lines of communication straightforward and open, and so I've felt very supported by the city. I think it's it's been wonderful. That's good. I'm glad you said that. Um, you know, I'm in real estate, and I hear a lot of the other side, too. Sure. I'll hear a lot about regulations and permits and, and jumping through all these hoops, and it's not always as um, nice uh, but that was that was. Not, I'm glad to hear the other side too. Well, there, there's a challenge, obviously, with all of them. And, and the main thing I figured out is communication just has to be clear. Uh, but I do have a lot of friends from around the state that we see through our our state associations that we do stuff with, and we hear about how difficult other markets are. Austin's really rough uh, being able to get things through. Dallas market's taking forever just to get residential permits through. Heard that. Uh, so we're fortunate to ha- be where we're at. We're going through a lot of growth. Uh, but at the same time, city's doing doing their best keeping doing, up. Yeah, good, good. Um, you said residential growth, and um, I want that's a good segue into this next little segment here. I want to talk about um, the, uh, the cloister. Mm-hmm. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Um, and the reason is everyone needs housing. Housing's uh, the demand is there, supply is low, so people are moving here. They need a house to buy. There's not much on the market. Um, uh, what is it? The inventory and ML- MLS is like 30 days or something. It's not great. So yeah. it's hard to find houses, uh, which makes the price go up. So what we need is more lots first for there to be a house, right? And so a lot of folks, myself included, we don't think about first you have to have the land subdivided and developed in order to build that house. And so can you, you, you did this, you took some raw land and you, you touched on it with the, with the Riverside. I guess we could talk about either one. Sure. It's kind of the same concept as how do we take some raw land and make it lots that are ready to build houses on so people can buy the houses. Yeah. So figuring out what that need is and, you know, underlying, you know, portions, I mean, school districts obviously are big drivers in where they're, where places are going. We've developed in Riverside. We developed Badger Ranch. We developed the Cloister in Cameron Park. Uh, when we first looked at Cameron Park, we found a piece of land that was wedged in, in the back, kind of hidden at the end of a dead-end street. There was a couple of weird sort of 
things that we had to work through with old streets that had been abandoned in there and uh, but had never been built. And so having to go through and work through some of those things in the entitlement process could make it, you know, a little challenging. You're spending some money up front uh, doing this sort of level of pursuit that may or may not, not work, work out. Uh, and so that's always one of those things you got to make a good business decision on that. But I'm, I'm curious to know, without giving too much away, like ballpark figures, is there a, like a percentage? Like how can you, how could I estimate, if I wanted to go do this, mm-hmm. if I wanted to leave here and go look up some raw land, how much am I looking at to invest up front just to s- see if this might work or not? In your pursuit cost? Depends on where you want to where you want to go and where you want to stop on that. You're going to be spending some significant money with your engineer, with some surveyors, uh, just with your own time going after talking to all the folks at the city, the county, your utility companies. What's available there? Oh, do I need to build in a lift station? You know, do we have everything that can handle the sewage? Is the water pipe size enough? We're going to have to bring in something else from on site. There's a lot that goes into that. So you're going to be spending, you know, tens of thousands with your engineers. Just uh, to see. You know, and like I said, your time's valuable. And so you're going to be spending, you know, investing that in it. So, and it can't always just be sweat equity. Sometimes you got to, you know, you got to get paid write to a, it. Write right? a check. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you found this land back there. You're working on it. You're pursuing it. Your first step was to go talk to your engineer friends. Yeah, so first step is we want to talk to the city and see what, what's readily available surrounding it. I want to know what I'm, I'm pouring into or, or sucking out of uh, as far as you know, well, utilities. Utilities, water, water and sewer. Water, sewer, electric, uh, gas, uh, if that's available. You want to see how it interplays with other neighbors around you. You know, what's, what's the, uh, you're going to have uh, people that will be supporting this because you're providing something good, uh, or are you going to have people going, you hear this all the time, you know, the not my backyard folks, the NIMBYs going, I've had this wonderful view forever. It's like, well, great. You should buy that view yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if you want to do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's not something that people should provide as a park out of their own resources. So can I back you up a minute sure. ago when you talked about water and sewer? Mm-hmm. So the city might say, yeah, we have pipes over here and over here. They don't exactly go to this piece of dirt that you're looking at. They're going to say, you, yes, you can possibly tap into our stuff, but you're going to have to pay to get your neighborhood to our pipes. Is, is that how the conversation goes? It does, and there's a lot to do with sizing, and that de- depends on how much uh, density you're going with in there, what's it going to be producing, what's it going to yield, are the pipes large enough. It, you know, So there may be an old 4-inch water line that runs through there that's dated back in you know 1950s that's... Uh, you know, is rotten and doesn't have enough sort, you know, supply to be able to feed you, plus the other ones that are already on its system. So you may have to do some, some upgrading with them. Uh, they might alongside. say you have to pay to get your neighborhood to the pipe and replace some of the pipe that's already on the ground. The pipe directly to you. Uh, there's times where you know we have to be able to do the pipe to us and tie on at the end of that system, assuming that system has the capabilities. Yeah, if that's gonna you know, make that system not work any further. You may have to expend a little bit more resources to get it a little bit further to make sure that you're not going to be harming anybody, neighboring. Mm. Okay, so you found the land. You talked to, you checked out the zoning, make sure, sure. you can build the housing there. Uh, talk to your engineering folks. Yep. What's next? Well, with regards to Cloister, you were asking about that specifically. We did go through the rezoning process on that because oh. we did a, we did a, a, a 
a PUD, a planned unit development in there, if I, if I recall correctly. Uh, and so it, it changed it just slightly, uh, but it was enough where you have to go and meet and talk to your neighbors going, oh, yeah. you know, we're going to be coming in here, but you're going to really love what you're going to see when it's said and done. Rather than kids going down here and parking at this end, you know, <laughs> dead end and, and, and getting into trouble, uh, we're going to have nice, nice street, street lights, take care of the night sky, you know, think of all the things that, that we're going to need to preserve and protect for them so that you're an asset next to them and a good neighbor. Okay. And so you go through that process, mm-hmm. I guess you've made it obviously, um, no, no issues along that way. Neighbors were okay with it. We had actually a pretty good, pretty good conversation with our neighbors. We, I remember having that city council meeting where we had a couple come, uh, there was one couple that I hadn't made contact with before they were concerned. And so I was able to actually sit down with them at the meeting, go through things together, have that level of dialogue. And I think having, being able to see how you work with folks, people respect that having that alongside with the city at the same time, they're able to see how you're treating, treating their citizens as well. Okay. And then you just kind of work through these issues. At one point, do you, do you start off with the thing, how much could I sell these lots for and let's work backwards? Or do you do you start off doing all this stuff and say, well, I'm going to have to sell them for X in order to pay for all the stuff I just did? Uh, it's kind of a both end. There's a certain extent where you say, okay, here's what I think the market is. Uh, here's what I think is, is a good thing. When we first started underwriting that, we had no idea. I mean, when we were looking at what things were going for in Cameron Park, no one had done it recently. I mean, it is been decades since somebody had had developed anything in that area and with it being a school district that's not the ones I typically build in is one of those that go I'm not sure that it what the absorption is going to be like so there's a lot of unknowns on that Uh, I underwrote it frankly probably about average houses at about 350 to 450 Uh, the reality is the custom homes we wound up doing in there were homes 750s to a million five Uh, And so the demand was very strong. Uh, The school district part, there's still a lot of school-age kids there. But I tell you what, Live Oak's been a wonderful asset. And I will say there's a ton of kids there going to that as a private school. And it's just really close by. And so it's been a neat part of that. So it was an interesting discovery, I would say, along the way. Would you say, because they're all gone, all the lots are sold at this point. Is that Mm -hmm. that roughly how long? Did that take once you were, I guess, you were staked out and done, I guess? Yeah, so you do the, the construction of it. You put in all your utilities, the roads, get all the uh, the final plat uh, uh, filed over the county court of record, and you start doing closing. So we we sold out probably within about, I would guess, 18 months, 18 months. Uh, something along that line. Uh, it always takes longer than you imagine when you're underwriting it. Uh, but as, when you look back in hindsight, it's like, Dang, that was quick. I wish I had more of them. Uh, but it, it went fairly quick. And then you start, you know, we are home builders as well. So we were able to build, I don't know, 60, 70% of the homes in there. So we're doing the design of the homes individualized for those lots because they were unique lots the way we designed them. Uh, and so it, it wound up being a good project for us for about four or five years. Cool. Any other thoughts on that? That development or Riverside or Badger Ranch, <clears throat> that's good information for subdividing big land into individual lots to sell. I see so many people looking at land 
and they're coming at it with a bias. This is my piece of land that I have, that I inherited, that I bought, that I happen to own. And so therefore, shouldn't everybody else love it? Rather than necessarily looking at what's the market really say that I need to be doing here and what's the highest and best use for this piece of land rather than what I may be having as a, an unfair bias in my own head. And so you got to look at it from that level of reality. You know, you're going back to your, you know, what's your cost in it? What what do you think it's going to be? And what how do you underwrite that all? That's all going to be part of that factoring process as, as you're walking through it. And you gotta you got to look and see, you know, you got to have a lot of a gut checks and look in the mirror several times along the way and go, is this really going to happen? Is this, yeah. is this really what, how people will see this? And you got to, got to talk to your market out there. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Cause I deal with sellers all the time and they have this price. Mm-hmm. This one's going for that. And I want this mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much thought goes into, well, this is what it's going to take for so a, a developer to go make this ready for X, Y, or Z. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure how often that really comes into the discussion. Yeah. It's funny when you get people that'll approach me from time to time and go, Hey, I've got this land. It, you know, it's been my family forever. It's you know, all this acreage. Well, half of it's floodplain. They're wanting a ridiculous <laughs> price per acre. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not the retail buyer here. I'm the wholesale guy. Yeah. I got to be able to buy it at wholesale. Cause I got to invest a lot of time and energy yeah. and money into this thing to make it, to be able to provide retail lots for folks. I think you've made a good, um, few points, several points on how much time and energy and money you have to pour into uh, develop developments like this just to get it ready to build houses on. Um, any, just last question, any other future plans that you're working on right now that you want to, any fun projects you want to talk about? Oh, I'll probably be a little coy on that answer, of course. Uh, we're excited about what's going on downtown. We see downtown Waco as, as having tons of upside. Uh, I see the the growth here in Waco is ridiculously good for the future. So I'd like to see more going in downtown, not just commercial, although commercial, we need a whole lot more of it. Hopefully we can do something with some of the land that we have down there. Uh, But also residential, we need to be able to provide more. We were at that, what, that meeting together uh, where we had the chamber saying right now we have a shortfall of 5,000 houses in Waco, Texas. They've been saying that for months too. It's not getting much better. It's really hard to put that much product on the ground, and especially at pricing we're at right now, it's it's a real challenge as a builder to to br- provide housing that's affordable that people wish to have, uh, and you know it, it's always one of those challenges. I always laugh when I hear folks going, "Okay, the way we can fix this is we can you know charge more for these fees, or we can charge more for this." It's like we can't make housing more affordable by yeah. raising our prices. We have to figure out how to reimagine redefine what it is that a habitat is and how we how we live and so I applaud the city on on being able to start welcoming density uh, thoughts and so how can we get more pieces on the same piece of dirt and so we're going a little bit mm-hmm. vertical now we'll start seeing some more of that and I think that's the way to be able to provide to help fill that gap because we have a gap and we got to fix yeah, it for sure great job mr. Sorrels thank you so much for being here and doing this podcast well done I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Sure. You can find me on social media if you search for Nathan Embry CCIM. My website where you can see my listings is kellyrealtorscommercial.com. Waco Real Estate Today is produced by Rogue Media Network. You can find more of their podcasts at roguemedianetwork.com. Oh,
This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. <laughs>